Empire podcast this week. It's another guest jamboree as we welcome the Queen of England herself, Claire Foy, uh, plus the men behind Brawl in Cellblock 99, Vince Vaughn and S. Craig Soller. All that and more on the movie podcast. It is now having to wait a week for episodes of The Good Place. It is absolute torture. Hey, wait a minute. Is this the bad place? Hello, Pod. I'm Chris Hewitt, and welcome to the Empire Podcast. This week, I'm joined by two colleagues of such lethal cunning. There is, of course, our geek queen, Helen O'Hara. Hello. And our West Wing guru, James Dyer. Hi. But just for the third time in the podcast's history, our ranks are being swelled by an outsider. He is the co-creator of Peep Show and Fresh Meat. He is the co-writer of Four Lions. And lately, he's been striking out in the zone with a new TV show, a radio series, and now... A bloody play as well. Welcome, Sam Bain. How are you? Great to be here. It's good to have you here. So, yes, tell us all about this play. It's called The Retreat. It opens terrifyingly soon. So <laughs> as, as we record, it's meant to open next, preview start next week. Yes. And uh, Kathy Burke's directing it. Amazing. Amazing. The Park Theatre. Yeah. Park Theatre, which is literally three doors down from where I used to live in Finsbury Park. Well, that's what, why we picked it. Because <laughs> <laughs> you knew I'd moved away. So well, I could, I, I could. like, is he gone yet? Is it safe to go in there? <laughs> I would often haunt the park. Going, is Sam Bain here yet? <laughs> With his play, where's Kathy Burke? I'm a little autograph book. So it's exciting times. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's been good fun. We've got a great cast, Adam Deacon, Yasmin Akram and Samuel Anderson, all mm-hmm. of whom have done TV and film and stuff. So I feel slightly more at home than I would normally in the theatre, which is a bit of a different world sometimes. Okay. So tell, tell us about it. Well, what's the, the play about? Oh, the play, it's a comedy about Buddhism. So it's about a guy played by Samuel who's on retreat, doing a meditation retreat, and his ne'er-do-well brother, played by Adam, bursts in to kind of talk him back down off his mountain, back to reality, and mm-hmm. Yasmin is doing a retreat also mm-hmm. nearby. So. Fantastic. Where did, they, where did they come from? It came from my experience of doing lots of meditation retreats. Okay. Which is kind of one of the one of the provenances of Peep Show because those thoughts in your head that drive you crazy, uh-huh. that's what you hear all the time on meditation retreats. So it kind of informed what me and Jesse were doing with writing ridiculous voiceovers for Mark and Jeremy. Okay. And so are you deliberately striking out on your own, as I said in the intro there? Because you, you've written a couple of things now without Jesse Armstrong for. Yeah, we're doing. We, we are still hanging out and seeing each other, but. We are doing more solo stuff. Like I did Ill Behaviour, which is coming to Showtime in a couple of weeks, and he's doing a series at the moment in New York. And yeah, we're doing more of the part, but we're also doing stuff together as well, like a film we're trying to get, trying to get made at the moment. Okay, excellent, excellent. Uh, and so the, the Park Theatre is a very interesting venue. I don't know if anyone... Have you guys been there? No, yeah. no. It's really good. I love it. Yeah? What have mm-hmm. you seen? What have you seen there? Oh, I don't remember. It was ages ago. I saw something set in Maine in the woods, um... Uh, and it was about sort of the weird people who lived in this little small town. It was really good. Sounds like a Blair Witch Project. Are you sure it wasn't the Blair Witch Project? I'm 100% certain <laughs> because sorry. it wasn't terrifying and shaky cam. <laughs> yeah, I've seen, a, I've seen a few things. I didn't really go that often, Sam, I'll be honest with you. Because you're too busy going to see films. I was too busy going to see films. And I don't know, it just it, it felt too far away. Well, <laughs> let's face it, most of the times film and TV are better plays. Yes. I'm trying to rebalance they that. They are. The last thing I saw there was <laughs> Ian McKellen. Yeah. One man show with Ian McKellen. Because you've seen him in a film. I have seen him in a film, so I knew what he was going to be doing. And it was amazing. So he was trying to raise money because he's a, a patron of the of the Park Theatre. Mm. And so he was raising money because uh, it's you know, it's publicly funded and whatnot. And uh, and so he did this, this uh, it was Gandalf and other characters or something like that. And so it started off with a, with a 
a black stage and a, and a chair and darkness fell and all you heard from the from the darkness you shall not pass <laughs> and then there was Ian McKellen <laughs> on stage with a copy of Lord of the Rings his copy of Lord of the Rings that he annotated on set and, and the crowd uh, went wild. The yeah. crowd went bananas, yeah. including a very drunk woman who kept heckling him. Really? Whoa. Yeah. Heckles him. She yeah. thought it was crowd participation. It, it really wasn't. But uh, <laughs> but that's the thing about the park, because it's a 200-seater theatre. Mm-hmm. It's it's in the round. and pretty it's much, yeah. Pretty much. And... Uh, yeah, does that does that change how you approach the play? Because presumably you wrote you wrote the play, and then the park said we'll yeah. put this on. Yeah, yeah. Does that change how you approach it? Um, well, it's doing live theatre is a lot more terrifying than doing anything on screen because <laughs> I'm going to have to be confronted with the reality of the audience. Which no one wants. No one really wants to face the actual audience, right? It's better to <laughs> imagine all the amazing people watching your stuff, not actually seeing them yawn and cough and eat crisps. <laughs> During your precious play, it's, it's the park theatre, Sam. It's going to be high quality peanuts, not crisps. Yeah, it's going to be kettle chips. No, I am slightly dreading it, but also excited at the same time. Yeah, oh, fantastic! I wish you all the best. Uh, we'll we'll chat a, a little bit more about uh, other stuff as it as it goes on. But we're gonna we're gonna go with the show uh, as per usual. Um, which means we start off with a question, and the question has been sent in this week via Twitter by at a rapley one. Alejandro on Twitter and he asks in tribute to Sam and his partnership with Jesse Armstrong who is the second best writing or slash creative partnership in cinema and Sam you said you've got two two answers for this well, it's a good question I was thinking about it obviously in advance because I like to think about things before I say them <laughs> in general oh you'll, you'll never fit in here yeah. oh dear <laughs> just what you said by the door honestly just, just leave get out <laughs> um, and I think on the whole comedy writing is is where you find often the most strong partnerships. I mean, obviously, you get drama people, Coen Brothers, Wachowskis, etc., yeah. doing great stuff. But me and Jesse obviously write comedy together, and there's a long tradition of doing that. I think because you bounce off each other, because mm-hmm. there's like a healthy competition to make the funniest line, mm. and so often that's that's the case in TV and film. So I was thinking about um, my sort of favourite comedy films, and two partnerships jumped out, mm-hmm. and one of them, and they're both with famous directors and I think the co-writers often get overlooked for that reason yeah so first is Billy Wilder and I.A.L. Diamond damn it that was my answer <laughs> genuinely i you should have compared notes no earlier. you go ahead I'm like wearing your dress figuratively <laughs> speaking because um, they obviously direct something like It Hot yeah. and The Apartment and The Front Page and loads of brilliant films and you know he's not I.A.L. Diamond which is a hard name to say let's face it <laughs> just it was Ian. It's <laughs> <laughs> called Ian. But he, obviously, he's right. not as lauded as Billy Wilder for obvious reasons. Yes. But obviously, those scripts were written by the pair of them. And the other partnership, which is similar in that respect, is um, Woody Allen and Marshall Brickman. Oh yeah. Who wrote Sleeper, Annie Hall, and Manhattan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, he's not a guy that people talk about. That's right. Yeah. Because they think of Woody because he's the star and the director. But you know, I'm sure that he was a hugely important part of all those films. You don't get writing credit if you weren't. Yeah, absolutely. That's a that's a that's a cracking choice. That's one I was going to say as well. Damn you, Sam, Jimbo. Oh God. <laughs> Do you have um, one that's going to steal Helen's Thunder one more well, time? Well, obviously, Aaron Sorkin and Aaron Sorkin would be my favourite pairing. <laughs> if I, if I he to bounces pick, off I himself. Of <laughs> um, I'm going to go with uh, uh, with Ben Elton and Richard Curtis. Really? Yeah. That's. Yeah. I did not expect that, but we were talking about Blackadder on the way yeah, over here. Yeah, I mean, we, I'm famously an enemy of fun and comedy. but He really uh, is. I, I, it's lost on me because I have no sense of humour. But Blackadder <laughs> just just totally defined humour for me as a, as, a, as a growing adolescent. 
Uh, and when we saw Journey's End recently, which is, you know, I think I think we kind of agreed. We think it might have been uh, part of the inspiration for Blackadder Goes Forth because there's so <laughs> many beats that are similar. And the play, Journey's End, was written in 1928, I think. So it's been around a long time. Uh, but it's so good. And I watched some more of Blackadder Goes Forth uh, this week, actually, because it was in my head. And it's so funny and it's so sharp. We should make clear Journey's End is not itself No, a it's comedy. not a comedy in any no. way. It's so bleak and depressing. But uh, nevertheless, they are related. I see. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna. That's gonna be my pick. That's a really interesting one, especially since uh, that is a partnership where you can, you can see what's what one party brought to it. Mm. In that, obviously, Richard Curtis, you know, he he wrote uh, the Blackadder with Rowan Atkinson, didn't he? It was Rowan Atkinson, and was it someone else so. as well? Uh, was it that just Rowan I can't Atkinson? remember. And then Ben Elton yeah. comes on for Blackadder 2, and suddenly the joke quotient just flies up. Well, also the humour, the nature of the humour, it becomes much more caustic, much more sarcastic and less kind of pratfally. It's, mm. a, it's a very different sensibility, Blackadder yeah. the second is, and it really came into its own, because the Blackadder is not great. No, I, 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 I'll go with that. Uh, it feels almost like a reboot yeah. uh, with Blackadder 2. Uh, that's, uh, yeah, that's a, good, that's a good shout. Has anyone been watching Upstart Crow? Sam, have you watched? Yeah, very funny. Obviously yeah. David Mitchell being brilliant. And I'm really pleased that it's, it's doing so well for Ben because he got quite a kicking on his last show, which I'm sure wasn't much fun. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, he did. I, th- I think Upstar Crow is fantastic. Have you watched it, Helen? Not yet. Yeah? Keep me in two. It's really good. It feels it feels like Blackadder, but it has its own it has its own vibe and it has its own personality as well. And David Mitchell's fantastic. Mm. Really, really great. So check it out. It's about Shakespeare. It's about uh, it's, it, it has a lot of uh, the the benefit of hindsight powers a lot of the scripts, which is, it's very, very funny. Uh, I've written down here. Well, I've got it on my phone. Uh, Lowell Gantz and Babalu Mandel, who is really strange. But for like, there was a period in the late eighties and early nineties when they seemed to be the kings of American comedy, and I imagine they were probably script doctors in a lot of movies they weren't credited for, but uh, they were the, the writers on Parenthood and City Slickers and films like that, and they just seem to be the go-to comedy guys. I, I think you're right, Sam. I think it, by and large, is comedy guys mm. who work in teams. So those two, for me, I'm, I'm not saying that they're, you know, they're, they're my favourites, but certainly they're, they're a partnership that springs to mind whenever I think of the, of comedy partnerships or, or writing partnerships. Hell's bells. Um, well, now your thunder's now, been stolen. Now, away now you've been banged. <laughs> um, I, I, I would actually put in the the Coen brothers in that in that category as well because they are very funny when they're on form. Yes, they are. They're mm-hmm. very very funny, and uh, and it feels like even when they're being dramatic, they're being incredibly wry and making jokes that we just haven't got yet. Um, so I would probably put them up there. Actually, the Farrelly's also whether or not you like their sense of humour, very very good at that. I would say. I mean, you can say that. That's, you're not. You're that's not a fine. fan. Well, I mean, okay. So, so <laughs> no, I, I get what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'd also throw in, of course, Sucker Abraham Sucker for, yes. for comedy. Lord um, Miller. Lord. Lord Miller. Not so much as a writing team, I would say, because they, they don't a, they don't get full credit on their movies as as writers. Mm. I think they they work very much as, as directors. I think you can talk about this in a modern uh, way without acknowledging Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg, mm-hmm. whose scripts are works of art as well. I think in terms of you know their 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 deployment of of foreshadowing and you know their just ability to set up a joke in minute one and pay it off in minute ninety seven is yeah. is amazing. Yeah. Uh, Hot Fuzz for me is their their best script. But The World's End, you know that that film probably gets a bigger kicking than any of the other films they've made. But as a as a script, as a piece of writing, it's really really fantastic. And I really like the work that Will Ferrell and Adam McKay do together. I was thinking of that as well. Those guys knock it out the park. When when they're on form, they're really on form. When they're not, they're you know not. But they're never off form. Mm-hmm. Name one bad Will Ferrell Adam McKay movie. 
You can't. Meant to. You can't. You, you just didn't. <laughs> in fact, you failed. Uh, but Sam, I just want to bring it back to you and this idea of partnerships. Uh, you and Jesse, who who paced and who typed? Well, I think that the pacing and typing thing is probably more with actors you write because for me and Jesse, we're both sort of writer writers. We're not performers, so we both did the writing. Essentially, the reason we lasted for so long, twenty years. This group sort of share the weight equally. We do all the same sort of. Would you be jobs. in the same room, or would you in the write... same room to do like storylining, mm-hmm. and then go away and write the dialogue separately and then swap? Okay, re-edit mm-hmm. each other's dialogue. How fishes did that get? <laughs> well, you know, I think you know one of the key things to having a functioning writing partnership and probably a functioning marriage, which is a different question, <laughs> is sort of letting go of your ego and actually going well. The partnership and the work is more important than what I think. It's more mm-hmm. important to focus on what the script needs rather than whether it's my joke or his joke. Okay. And that did kind of make it work for so long, I think. I, w- I thought of two more, and you're going to be impressed. That I w- <laughs> you're going to be impressed that I waited until now to mention them. All right. Oh, the- is it Sam and Dean from Supernatural? That doesn't oh, count. Oh, <laughs> such a good call. But no, it's the Russo brothers and Marcus and McFeely from Captain America. Okay. All right. The Russo brothers... They're writing team. No, they're directing team, but it said creative partnership. It, did it didn't say creative just say writers. I just, I just kind of I know. Know, ignored that. First yeah, part. I know you did. Yeah, okay. All the brothers. All the brothers, except the guys who did Aliens versus Requiem. <laughs> Aliens versus Requiem. What is that? <laughs> Aliens versus Predator. Requiem. Uh, all right, I will accept your answers. Thank you. Uh, and we shall uh, move on. If you want to get in touch with us on the Emperor Podcast, you can do so via a number of methods. You can do so via Twitter, as Alejandro did. Uh, use the hashtag Emperor Podcast, or chances are we won't see it. Uh, you can Facebook us as well. <laughs> I don't even know why I say Facebook. We never check it. But, you know, if you do <laughs> want to Facebook us one of these days, and I might see it, and we might put the question out in the old podcast. Why don't we make do a so. pledge that this is the week we're going to check Facebook? You say that, and then you open the Pages app <laughs> on my phone, and it's just, it's awful. <laughs> it's just there's so many messages and I can't troll through them all but yes okay I'll try and do that for next week I'll try and pick a Facebook question for next week and you can email us as well but we're podcast at empireonline.com alright time now for this uh, week's first guest or should I say guests uh, Brawl in Sailbox 99 came out last week in cinemas is also available on demand uh, which means streaming services and iTunes that sort of thing you just can't go into McDonald's and demand it that would be weird uh, it's director S. Craig Soller or Craig or Soller he likes to be he doesn't really mind what he's called uh, as I discovered and it's star Vince Fawn are a force to be reckoned with uh, and they've already wrapped their second movie together Dragged Cos Concrete they'll be out next year I cannot wait uh, I spoke to them about the hair raising violence or the face scraping violence more likely uh, of their prison movie movie and much much more enjoy <laughs> <laughs> I saw this film in the manner in which you intend to solar I, I watched it on my computer uh, on a screening link and I loved the film but I the ideal utterly, screening situation utterly regretted it well it says my name on it so I think it looks oh, like right. the star of the film no, always, right. yep. well, that's nice that, that, that version was dedicated to you <laughs> What's your name again? I want to give a shout out. My name is my name appears to be a property of Universal Pictures. Oh, property of Universal Pictures, <laughs> yeah, which is a all right pretty, property. That's pretty much right. Yeah. Um, but uh, I really, really want to see this film. I'm making it my life's work now to see this film with a crowd because I have heard stories from people who see this film with a crowd and there are oofs and what the fucks and there are security guards, security guards who men who have seen shit in their lives. I'm sure who are going literally, Jesus Christ, at the things you do in this movie, Vince. 
it's an astonishing experience. Did you did you know it was going to play out this way with with an audience when you were crafting it? I I, I think um, I come from a place of writing the stuff that I want to uh, read or or see in the case of a, a script that's going to be a movie, and um, so I. It was really I I'd seen these prison movies in at Film Forum. Uh, this was maybe like 2010, 2011. Started thinking about conceiving something like this, and then I just was thinking like, man, movies like Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia, which mm. might be the the mm. best movie title of all time. <laughs> uh, Death Wish, First Blood. Where are the movies like this? Yeah. That's sort of an adult guy movie, and that was where I you know I I conceived all this sort of stuff. Now. The other elements fold into what it is, is I'm I'm very, very uh, interested in uh, drama and uh, subtle performances and layered performances. And uh, Sidney Lumet and and John Cassavetes are two of my favorite favorite directors. And so then I'm, I'm interested in that stuff as well. And so that starts coming in. And then there's the reality that I grew up as a kid of Fangoria with like, pictures of eye gougings and eviscerations on my wall. Like my mom would come into my room when I was a kid and she had to take off her glasses because she couldn't actually look around. And so I was just like the blurry kid with some shit in his room yeah. uh, for a really long time. And so that's in there. I'm, I'm also a massive fan of soul music. And so that's in there. Also, I, I study Kung Fu. I'm, I'm not particularly good. Vince Vaughn is certainly uh, far, far, far my superior at, at his studies in, in jiu-jitsu. But I'm interested in it really from, from mainly from an aesthetic uh, standpoint. And so the, you know, the history of uh, movies in, in terms of showcasing performers, going back to, say, Buster Keaton – uh, and then to Fred Astaire and seeing him dance head to toe uh, in in his movies and then Jackie Chan uh, and all these people and seeing all this stuff happen on set on you know on the day and you know when you're watching these movies these performers are doing it so fold that into all of the other stuff I'm, I'm talking about in terms of the performers are making it happen and there's the drama and yeah. there's the crazy gore and yeah. there's the soul stuff and there's the independent drama and once you start stacking enough of this stuff I guess this is you pass the threshold of it seeming insane to to normal human beings to me it all makes complete sense <laughs> and I watch I'm like of course that's where this needed to go yeah. but I understand you're stacking enough completely different viewpoints and interests yeah. that in in the end land in this what the hell did I just watch uh, ex- experience Buckle up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Vince how, how are the uh, we won't get into details at this point about the insane shit that Bradley does in this movie but how was it described in the script when you're reading it it's the best thing I read I mean I, I remember <clears throat> I love Bone Tomahawk I thought it was yeah. incredible um, and that was the kind of thing you're like where is this movie going like what happened? Like it's kind of funny, and now they're talking. Oh, I like these characters. This is really good performances. And then this is what they got to go where, and it's complicated. And then it's like these, you know, it's like uh, Sierra Madre. They're arguing, and what's happening? And then all of a sudden, you walk into this almost alienistic or spiritualistic yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Indian yeah. situation, and. I remember, like, there was just things in that movie, like, they're leaving, and there's these, these pregnant women in cages, and they just walk by them. Uh, they're kind of captured women that have clearly been kind of tortured and have things put through them, and they just kind of move on. And I just yeah. thought, this movie is really fascinating and very well done. And so I had that context in, in reading this screenplay. 
I remember getting to the stage where it's like the guy beats the car up, and I was like, "Oh, this guy's got I, I, this guy's like not trying to act cool. Like this guy's trying not to kill somebody. Like yeah. this guy's hurt. He's getting his girlfriend away from him, and he's violent. And now he's going to the house. And I thought, "Oh, what what is this? Is this yeah, yeah, yeah. is it gonna?" And then he sits down, and he's kind of accountable for his participation yeah. in the in the downfall of the relationship, and. You know, without giving away too much, they haven't handled the relationship well. There's clearly a, a want of sobriety on both people's ends. So this yeah. is a sexual relationship. <laughs> it's a friendship, but they're kind of a support system. They're mm-hmm. almost family to each other. Like, this is a very dependent relationship. And the fact that you come out of it kind of rooting for this couple yeah, yeah, yeah. that actually – there's some pain and some mistakes made. I just was surprised by it. And then it's literally a morality tale. You're, yeah. The die is cast. You make a decision for reasons I can understand. Mm-hmm. Um, but nonetheless, you still have made a choice that there's going to have to be some consequences for. Mm-hmm. And then I was just constantly surprised. Oh, this is what it... Oh, wait a minute. Now this is the turn <laughs> I'm waiting for. And now that's not that's not what's happening. It's this. Yeah. And now this happened. And, and I'm involved in these characters. There's an emotionality to these characters. And yet mm-hmm. I'm just having a lot of fun and being surprised with turns. And there's something really great, to me, honest, to, uh, to me, about a man who's not totally innocent, but has no yep. choice but to do what he needs to do. And it's not yep. pretty. Yeah. And it's kind of badass. Yeah, it is. I, in, in terms of the script, though, I mean, when you're reading it, is it, do you write an arm is snapped? And and the bone goes through the skin. Do you write that? Do you uh, when you're reading that, Fins? Do you yeah, see you that for the first time? Or? You get the idea. This yeah. graphics. This is very graphic. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot there's a lot of detail. <laughs> I'm, I uh, kind of kind of uh, dealing with the studio system. I I learned to just cheat the shit out of my margins and shrink the fonts and <laughs> it goes to the top of the page and the bottom I've been I've been hiding how long my pieces are forever and part of it, it and part of it isn't that the, just the pieces are so long it's that the amount of detail I put in there yeah. um, uh, it exceeds exceeds what's what's normal so the stuff you asked about specifically like uh, like a bone popping uh, that, that stuff's in there that's taking in there. apart the car yeah. moment by moment that, that's in there and that's amazing uh, the, the, the detail for that stuff is there and that's the that's the roadmap when we're all on the set trying to make it which is even better if any of the crew people bother to read it <laughs> do they know bother they just skim it <laughs> we shot this in 25 days it was a challenging shoot it was a challenging shoot uh, it's a hell of a role for you as well Fins did you uh, did you leap leap at it with both did you grab it with both hands when it, when it came your way I was excited because I trust his taste so much I love yeah. Bone Tomahawk so I, I was excited I, I, I kind of in my mind wanted some to do different things and some yeah, challenging yeah. things. So this was a lot in one. So um, first and foremost, I love the story. And then the character, you know, I had <clears throat> I had definitely going in a healthy sense of fear. Yeah. And in talking to Craig, I would say, well, do we need to do this or this? And it was sort of that before you jump off, realizing just to what degree you're going to have to commit. So, you know, physically I had to get in the right kind of shape and uh-huh. get much stronger yeah. uh, and kind of just a strength way, not necessarily like a cut or, you know, this is a, a yeah, guy yeah, yeah. who works but is strong. Yeah. I had to revisit boxing and get very comfortable, fluid with moving and punching. The accent, although I have in my history, southern roots, um, I can slip into it, but I had to be specific and really dial in with someone on that to have consistency. Um, the emotionality and the character background. Craig wrote a bio. Yeah. There's some very extreme, you know, you read these scenes and they're clearly extreme emotional scenes, but you have to kind of put yourself in a place where you're in the in the headspace this character's in and then kind of just react in the moment. So th- yeah. there's a bit of a, it all happens and, and kind of, f- there's a trust that happens. Like you can't over 
prepare. So there's just that, right? There's a moment like you get there on the page and it's like you're ripping a car apart. Yeah, or of course. There's a there's an there's there's a scene with with your that's extreme. People are going away or things are happening, mm. and you just have to kind of trust on the day that you're gonna you're gonna be present and that the preparation is there. I mean, obviously you've done a lot of comedy in your past, but you've also done other stuff. You have done dramatic roles, straight roles. Um, you've just come off True Detective, of course. Uh, is there a sense that you know that Hollywood's been trying to put you in a box for a while, and you've been pressing against the, man the is, confines of that the box. The man has shoved me in a box, Property man. of Universal Pictures. <laughs> no, you know what it is, is I think you get rewarded. Like I, When I first did Old School, they were like, yeah, I don't know that he can be funny because I hadn't done a lot of broad comedies. Yeah. And that was a challenge for, for Todd to, to give me that part. And then I went on this run of like, I, some of these comedies were really fun and defiant comedies and our comedies. And then I think I got comfortable and started like, you know, you start people start putting you in the same stuff and you're doing it. And I think as you get older and I have the luxury now, I sort of was sort of like enough. I really want to do things I'm excited about. I want to Mm. try to do different things. This is why I became an actor. So I think I opened myself up to that. And just fortunately, yes, true detective and then Hacksaw Riz with Mel. Of course, yeah, yeah. And then this thing, uh, which is just spectacular. I mean, part of the fun of this movie is there's comedy in it. There's action in it. There's really emotional scenes. There's, phenomenal music and there's just some bizarreness of these kind of things coming together so it's 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 such a unique film yeah yeah uh it was just so fun to to be a part of something like when we started with swingers we sort of were like these guys listen to swing music and this is how they talk and we went through the same steps where people like you can't make this movie it's not for everyone it's too strange and of course that became something that got into the culture yeah of course um and this is where craig is working from with bone tomahawk uh, as a fan and then being a participant in this and dragged across concrete He's got a very original voice. He's he's writing things that he finds unique, and then the rest of us are kind of catching up to <laughs> why those things are fun. And then I just have to uh, wrap up by asking about drag to drag to cross concrete, um, which you, you know from what I know of it sounds sounds incredible. What can you say about it? Uh, what can we expect? And we can expect it fairly soon, right this time next year, maybe. I'm guessing this time next year is is probably a pretty good guess. Yeah, uh, I um, probably in the same hotel room we'll be doing this again right. the next year. I I, I wrapped. I, I finished doing uh, quality control on Brawl and Cellblock '99, and five days later was in Vancouver uh, prepping uh, Dragged Across Concrete, and it mm. is um, kind of like the way that you'll you'll know. Brawl and Cellblock 99 was, was written by the same guy who did Bone Tomahawk, but it does these different things, dragged across concrete as well. Mm. And that is, it's more of an ensemble piece where you have these partnerships and these relationships um, uh, between adult men that um, that are put in, in various crucibles with these, with uh, situations of uh, the public eye, violence and criminal activity. So I, I don't want to say too much on that one, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's Vince, uh, Mel Gibson, Tori Kittles, and Michael Jai White, and, you know, getting to work with performers like this and bring out all the friendships and, and uh, the, the relationships of all these characters was really enjoyable. And in, in that way, uh, a little bit more along the lines of Bone Tomahawk, where it mm-hmm. was this ensemble, and sort of the some of the character development is more like the relationship development between these different characters, and uh, really, really fun to do. The, the plotting is a lot more complicated than that of Brawl and Cellblock 99 and, and Bone Tomahawk, uh, but I, I am uh, quite confident if you're on board for uh, one of these, you're on board for all three. 
And the title seems to suggest brutality once again. Uh, Vince is dragged across concrete. A movie you're going to be one, one to watch with an audience for the oofs and the what the fucks. I just think it's so cool. It's very different. I mean, there's yeah. similarities, but I was just surprised with the screenplay when I couldn't predict it, um, and it all made sense. It's um, it's very. There's a lot of great character stuff in there. There's a lot of surprising stuff in that movie. The the violence in this stuff, of course, is unique and specific, but it unfolds a world in a universe that's quite spectacular. Okay. There's a visual component to that movie and world discovery as you enter into it that yeah. becomes fascinating. Sold. Sold. One one ticket. One one screening Buckle link. <laughs> one screening link to Property of Universal Pictures. <laughs> That'll be me next year. Uh, Soller. Fawn. Thank you, sir. <laughs> thank you so much, Steve. Thank you. Cool. Thank Appreciate you. It. Cheers. That was S. Craig Soler and Vince Fawn. Uh, cracking movie if you haven't checked it out, do so. And, and if you're wondering where Jeff Goldblum has got to on the podcast, because I mentioned him last week as one of this week's guests. I was um, wondering, where is he? Uh, we had such a good time with him. He came in last week. He came in last Friday to the pod booth upstairs. Uh, and we had a blast with him, as you would expect, because he's Jeff Goldblum and he was very Jeff Goldblumy. Uh, so we decided to make that a special. That's an interview special. Uh, and that should be out round about now just as soon as we were finished recording this and I record an intro for that and it'll be up. Excellent. There you go. So Thanks. he is, of course, in Thor Ragnarok. We'll be talking about that later in the show. Sam, have you seen Thor Ragnarok? No, I'm looking forward to it. Okay. I've been prevented from seeing it, but my wife is not in the country. She wants to see it with me, so okay. I'm having to wait. Because you, you tend to keep up with the uh, the Marvel movies, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I'm a fan and of that of that studio. I, th- I've, I think I've consumed all their product. <laughs> <laughs> Do you wear the T-shirts? Not quite. Okay, you don't go that quite quite that far. I do. What's your, what's your top tier Marvel movie? I think Civil War, actually. Good choice. Good choice. And you know, you mentioned the writing partnership. I think it is a really, really well written screenplay. It really is well isn't structured it? Yeah. and surprising, and the way it sort of turns the, the sort of genre conventions on their head is is really exciting. I think it's the rule of threes: so Captain America three, Iron Man three, Thor three. All oh, the best. Spoiler: uh, Captain America two. Oh, nonsense. No nonsense. <laughs> I'd probably say Winter Soldier, Bentley, Civil War. What's well. wrong with you people? But, like, by an inch. I mean, you know, it's yeah. not... It's not a lot. And Iron Man 3 is the best one. Yes. Yeah, it is, yeah. Um, all right, so what were we talking about? Jeff Goldblum? Yes. All right, so he's on Special. the podcast. Yes, anyway, so Thor Ragnarok, and we'll, we'll be discussing it later on in the show. It's very good, Sam. Yeah, I can't wait. Well, I, I did have the pleasure of meeting Taika Waititi a few years ago at Sundance, and he was a very charming, funny gentleman, so... Yeah, looking forward to checking checking it out. Yeah, no, it's good. It is good. Uh, you will like it a lot. And uh, we're going to discuss this week's movie news now. I don't know what the hell's been happening this week. I haven't really been paying attention. So, Helen, hi. What's happening? Um, well, there uh, there are exciting rumours. I think we can call them little more than that at this stage. That there may be a Logan spin-off focusing on young. Laura, um, played originally by Daphne Keane, X-23, real name Laura mm. Kinney, whatever you want to call her. Uh, she was obviously a clone of Wolverine, has her own metal claws and is a force to be reckoned with. And there is apparently a script uh, that James Mangold is working on, who obviously directed Logan, and that the great success of Wonder Woman has helped to make a thing. Indeed. But there's nothing more than that yet. We don't know anything more than that. How do you feel about this? I feel positive with the slight worry that she is so good in that role I don't want anyone else to play it but she is a kid and I don't know if they'll go with a kid in that leading role mm. so um, it's going to be interesting to see how that goes I don't know 
So it's just speculation. You said originally played by Daphne Kane. So it's, it's yeah, it is speculation well, that, that she that entirely speculation that whether she'd be back or not. Give it half an hour and we'll know because our John Nugent is on the phone to Daphne Keane as we speak. So amazing. You know, presumably he'll ask her. Fingers crossed. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. So, <laughs> he, I, may he may not. He may not. In fantasy, may entirely forget. So uh, <laughs> assuming he does tell her, we'll find out. I I really like the character of X23. I know she's a little bit maligned in the in the X Men universe, but I my worry about this is if. You know, does this film potentially take something away from Logan? You know, I really like that as an encapsulated thing, and I like her in that film, and I almost don't want that bubble to burst. But then I I think it depends on how well it's done, and Mm. the fact that James Mangold is the one writing the script, um, because because he was so passionate about getting that tone right and getting that feeling of finality for Logan, Mm. that's got to be a good thing in terms of not ruining it in retrospect. Not ruining it in retrospect. You can't. We have Logan. That's in the box. <laughs> We're taking that home. No, George right. Lucas has proved you can absolutely ruin things in retrospect. Well, I mean... <laughs> okay. You've opened a can of worms there. Yeah. <laughs> it's a whole other discussion. Back away from the... Back away. Back away. Um, but Craig Kyle, who originally uh, created the character, is apparently working with Mangold, and Hugh Jackman will not be involved even as a producer. So that that door has closed for him. He is he is yeah. out. They're sick of they're sick of Jackman. Get out, Jackman! As he comes round, <laughs> banging on the door, demanding to be involved. We don't want Thing, you. Things literally no one has ever said. <laughs> there, you are there, Chris. Thank you. More concrete though, they've announced a second season, officially confirmed for Star Trek Discovery, which I'm very excited about. So have you watched the new Star Trek? I haven't. Before? Is it good? It is good, actually. Mm. It's very good. I think it, there were some odd reactions to it initially because it doesn't feel like classic Star Trek but there's a reason for that because uh, it hasn't you know the format hasn't really aged I don't think in this kind of age of peak TV classic Star Trek wouldn't really fit in that format so they've updated it it feels much more like the movies mm. it's incredibly cinematic mm. um, and it's very dark and there's all sorts of swears in it as well which there are unexpected. swears and there's and there's Jason Isaacs as the captain being mm. a little bit dodge he which is. is not what we expect from I, a Starfleet captain mm. I have to say I've got to hold my hands up here I haven't seen Star Trek Discovery yet I, I'm a little bit scared of the swear I'll be honest with you uh, which is weird being, <laughs> being Irish regular listeners of the show will know I'm not afraid of the odd swear now and again but in Star Trek mm. really not even in Klingon is it star swearing or normal no, no, swearing? No, no, it's normal swearing. <laughs> one, of them, one of the characters actually says something on the lines of, it's fucking fantastic, and everyone looks at her, and then the other character goes, no, you're right, it's fucking fantastic. So they make quite a meal of it. Wow. But it's on streaming, I guess, they can get away it's, with it. It's that kind of... The camera. But it is that kind <laughs> of... <laughs> and wink. <laughs> it is that kind of casual swearing. It's not like angry swearing, which yeah. would be very un-Star Trek. It's sort of enthusiastic swearing, which kind of seems more, you know, a bit more Geordie LaForge, a bit more Scotty, like, oh, we've done something, isn't it great? Right. I read, I read an interview Aww. with um, it was uh, Jason Isaacs was talking about shooting it, and he was saying that he'd improved a line on the bridge, and he'd said Jesus, and they'd stopped it and said, "You can't say Jesus. You That's can't fair. say Jesus because we, you know, we're in a universe where religion has kind of been pushed aside, and you know it's very secular." And he said, "Well, can I say fuck?" They said, "Absolutely, you can say fuck. That's not a problem. You just can't say Jesus." And action, <laughs> uh, which I thought was a nice, a nice moment. <laughs> but no, my my thing about Star Trek, which I thought was quite uh, interesting, is the pilot. A full third of the pilot is in Klingon with, with English subtitles. Which is bold. mental. Mm. Although um, you can get Klingon subtitles yes, if you'd you can. prefer. On Netflix, you genuinely oh, that's can. Good to know. Now I can watch it. <laughs> I know. In the original it was, Klingon. Yeah. It was pretty, you know, alienating otherwise. <laughs> but the, the thing I should hold my hand up to, uh, I want to bring Sam in this in a second, is um, I got it wrong by Jason Isaacs. You did. But 
did I get it entirely wrong about the show's intentions? I'm not so sure I did. I won't say too much to spoil things, but I was convinced that he was going to bow out by episode four in a kind of Sean Bean in Game of Thrones, whoops, spoiler, or um, what's her name? You could have ruined something the, else now. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, Spooks, the lady in Spooks who does all the cooking. Yeah. Now, what's her name? Lisa Faulkner. No, thank you, everyone. <laughs> thanks for thanks for the assist. <laughs> Lisa Faulkner and Spooks, you know, so like the big star name that the show is going to be built around. Oh no, they've been pushed into a deep fat fryer, mm. and that's not good. Um, I thought it was going to be, uh, that was going to happen to to Jason Isaacs. Deep uh, fat fryer. Deep fat fryer yeah. in space, yeah. which would be terrible. Uh, but it hasn't. Well, I mean, as we learned this week, the replicator that creates the food for them on the ship advises healthy choices, so would be against the fat frying. <laughs> Actually true. Absolutely. Sam, you you trekkie, trekker, trekkerino, whatever it's called? Um, I have I have trekked, but I'm not a committed trekker. <laughs> so are you more of the movies guy, or do you I, just you know, dip was, in and out? As, I saw as the a... reruns of the original series as a kid, and that kind of stays with you, you know, I always mm. have affection for that mm-hmm. primary coloured universe. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I've watched a few of the movies... Um, I enjoyed enjoyed the JJ Abrams reboot. Okay, mm. okay, with no swearing in that one. There isn't any. There's no swearing. There's no. There's no swearing in Star Trek. I'm having well, a hard trouble with this. Yeah, <laughs> I'm really. I'm really having a hard time. Um, but I just wanted to talk to you very quickly about about swearing because you've done some creative. You've been behind some creative swears in the past. Thank you. How do you come up with creative swearing? How what's your pro, what's the process for that? I guess you're thinking about things that people show like I don't know. Cock muncher and words like that, <laughs> and piss kidney, right? Is that what you're thinking about? Yeah, never yeah. not funny. Yeah. Um, is there is there a formula? You take no. It's just like all the swears have been taken pretty much because obviously as humans we love to swear. English humans in particular, so it's like must be something new you could say, right? Because swearing is one of the most fun things you can do with words, right? So uh, why not just I think so. It's big and clever. Yeah, I think so. There's there's an art to compound swearing, though, isn't there? Just, there's something genius about that. You know, whether yeah. it be douche canoe or cockwomble or, you know, there's there's yeah. something inherently funny about putting stupid words together like that. Can you just put any words together? Can you just look at this and go, this is a microphone, wank mic? I, I, Blade, Trinity, not, that doesn't work. Blade Trinity is still the high bar for me. It's the cock juggling thunder cunt. In, uh, in Blade Trinity I thought that was just you it's hard to improve upon he's, he's used it literally daily since yeah. yeah we had someone write in a couple of months ago uh, saying I, I love the Empire podcast and I like to listen to it with my 8 year old son however since James Dyer has started appearing on the podcast more regularly I can no longer listen to it with my 8 year old son because of your potty mouth sorry you you Wank Mike. You, you trying to make it work. Yeah. It's, it's not gonna it's not gonna happen. It's not working. Alright, so here's a bit of news I've I've just read about. Sure. It's very exciting. Ben Mendelssohn's gonna play a bad guy. I know this is a shock. No, no. Surely not. I, I, I don't believe it. I not, won't. There's casting against type and there's going too far, I would say. And it's in the MCU as well, as so you're going to really suspend the disbelief. And go, oh no, Ben Mendelsohn's a bad guy. I didn't think I didn't see that coming. Yeah, he's in talks to play the uh, the chief villain in Captain Marvel, which is obviously out in twenty nineteen. Obviously, as it says, obviously. everyone knows, uh, which is out in twenty nineteen. Uh, and he, uh, according to I think it's Variety that broke the story, or Hollywood Reporter, Variety, one of the two. Variety, uh, Variety. Okay, he's going to play a scroll. Oh, those Skrulls. Skrulls, if you don't know what they are, they're shape-shifting alien bastards uh, that are being introduced into the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, as of Captain Marvel. And I suspect they're going to be behind a big kind of retcon of things in the MCU. No. That's that's exciting. It is, yeah. We like him. 
And the directors, Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck, worked with Mendelssohn before on Mississippi Grind, which is... A film I love. Really good film. I'm very evangelical about uh, Mississippi Grind. Mississippi Grind is fantastic. If, if you haven't seen it, do check it out. He is great in it. He's not a bad guy in that either. He's not no, a bad he isn't. Guy. He's a... Yeah. Although that's almost a spoiler. The less you know about him going into that, the better, I feel like. Yeah. Anyway. So when he, when he shapeshifts shapes halfway through, <laughs> it's a real surprise. Uh, so what else is happening? Anything else? Uh, Rene Zellweger is going to be playing Judy Garland. She that's should win. A, that's a thing that's happening. I, I don't know. I can't, I can't, I'm trying to put them together and I'm having a little bit of trouble with it, but I'm, I'm sure she'll be very this good. This is She's later Judy actress. Garland, right, Lou? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Even so. Um, so it's a film called Judy. Um, I, I feel like they haven't done a lot of work coming up with that, but that's okay. Um, and uh, Rupert Gould is set to direct the film uh, based on a script by Tom Edge, who was involved with The Crown. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so it's basically set in 1968 as Garland's going to London for a five-week series of concerts, uh, 47, just wanting to be home, not interested, and uh, under pressure, basically, is the is the idea. So the, the worry is whether the show will go on or not, I believe. Wow. So, um, yeah. good to see Renée Zellweger getting a, you know, what sounds like a pretty meaty role, because I feel like she's been quite quiet in the last year or two since the last Bridget Jones. So, mm. um, so yeah, mm-hmm. it'll be exciting to see what she does with it. But um, I don't know, I just, I, I just, I would never put them together. I can't say I would either. But, you know, she's good. Yeah, she's good. Positive. Yeah. In other, in other positive news, Vincent sure. D'Onofrio is confirmed for Daredevil Season 3. I'm very excited about that. That is excellent Kingpin news. He's back. He Vanessa! He was the best thing in any Marvel oh, series, obviously. He was 100%. Phenomenal, yeah. I mean, he made the... Season 1 of Daredevil was fantastic because of him. And then it, it all got a bit... I mean, there were, it was, Season 2 was all ninjas and nonsense. And, <laughs> a lot of ninjas. Uh, there's a, a ninja, ninja overload. <laughs> they obviously yeah. bought a lot... Of, they bought, like, a sort of family pack of ninjas. <laughs> and I felt I had to use them all in many well, returning series. And they really did for 13 hours. It was very tedious. Um, <laughs> but but I, I, you're right, because then he shows up in Daredevil Season 2 for one episode as special guest star yeah. and makes you realise why you haven't enjoyed it so far yeah. and just acts everybody else yeah. off the screen and bangs Matt Murdock's face into a table and yells at him and you're just going this is what I need I need a big bald man yelling at me hey Jimbo how's it going <laughs> right. not dissimilar to this podcast I think with good casting sometimes those comic book films and shows can really elevate a character to make it actually better yeah. than mm. it is in the comic I'd look at Tony Stark in the movies as actually much more interesting oh, yeah, than the definitely. character in the comics mm. And same with the Kingpin. I think they did him so well that he kind of makes you feel like it massively improves on the source material. Mm. It feels like they stepped away from what they tried to do. I always felt with that first Daredevil, with him in particular, it had a really serious sort of realism to it, sort of a dark edge, because he was very believably psychotic. He was a very nuanced, complex character. Mm. And then they seemed to backtrack into more sort of safe comic book territory with season two and frankly with all the others like Jessica Jones season one again it was dealt with very interesting themes about consent and control and then you know Iron Fist Defenders they become very generic and very generic over 13 hours is really fucking generic uh, you <laughs> know as an eight year old you've just ruined it again <laughs> sorry well I've ruined Defenders for him as well so you know no sure. I think <laughs> other people ruined the Defenders <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't get through that series to be fair yeah. Given that it's eight episodes, it's pretty damn. Well, I'm the only one I've not made it through is uh, Iron Fist. I even made it through Luke Cage, but Iron Fist just just did for me. Couldn't couldn't do it. No, Hello, my I name haven't. is Helen, and I've seen them all. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, you know, respect basically. <laughs> but yeah, I heard the bad vibes coming off that show. I didn't didn't try it. Out. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see them all for work? In mm. the way that I saw Batman v Superman: Colon Dawn of Justice four times. <laughs> 
Four times. Four times. You get some sort of medal or crown. <laughs> or medical assistance. Yeah. So you had four Marthas in your life. Wow. Impressive. I, I, including, I have to say, and here's the thing, I don't know whether it's Stockholm Syndrome after a while, but I've, I began to think, when I watched the director's cut, which is three hours long. Of course it is. And has way more Martha than the original really, is there more Martha? It's just, it's just Batman and Superman yelling Martha at each other for a good ten minutes. I could have watched that, definitely. <laughs> you begin to think, you know what, okay, this is not the film that we wanted but this is a film and uh, that it is and I have to judge on its own merits and it's it's okay in parts and quite good in some this is a man who's and suddenly starting to turn himself around in prison food and forced to eat it for four years actually you know what the, the peas and the potatoes are pretty good here <laughs> This 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 cup of water, which is is, is is literally a jar of piss in a Superman movie. <laughs> Holly Hunter gets blown up, and then she's looking. Well, there's a spoiler. Anyway, okay, okay I won't talk about that. It's a podcast about films. We have to have yeah. some. I know, but people content. get so angry with me when I when I spoil films. People, as, they're not real people. They're just people <laughs> listening to your podcast. That don't count. As with the defenders, that film has been well and truly spoiled before you got near it. So. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. What were we talking about? It's I've, hard to I've say. Lost a run of no, myself. D'Onofrio. We, we span D'Onofrio. off from yeah. That's a thing. Good. Yeah. He is so good and he's so intense. He's good on Twitter. He's very good on Twitter. It's old Vincent D'Onofrio. He doesn't mess, takes no prisoners on he Twitter. He takes as well. no prisoners. Um, do you know who's who's good on Twitter? You, Des O'Connor. <laughs> oh God! So this is about you. you. Know, oh yeah. Oh, have I mentioned that? Oh, uh, Des O'Connor, such the a dreadful person, the giant of chat shows, the. Legend of light entertainment that is Des O'Connor has been has he's just followed me on Twitter. He's probably unfollowed me already as I unleashed a knob gag. <laughs> God. But Des is fine. He's he's okay. He hung around with Stan Borman. He knows how to take near the knuckle humor. He's he's fine. Wheeling it back to actual news. Oh, uh, there's only one other thing I can think of, and that's that Gareth Evans is doing a comic book movie about a Deathstroke, a character whom I have never heard of because I don't read DC <laughs> comics. <laughs> I hope that's been educational. That's there you go. Super helpful. He's actually in Arrow season one. Of course um, he is. Where on. he's played by Anu, uh, Man- Manu Bennett uh, and he's very good. Was it season one or season two? I don't know. They all blurred he's after a while. Manu. Manu Bennett. He's played Manu Bennett. Uh, interesting. I like Manu um, Manu. And, and he's good in it. I, I quite liked him in it. He was quite scary. So he's a sort of mercenary turned super mercenary, I guess, is probably and the best way to put it. your... <laughs> You know, long lost husband Joe Manganiello was going to play him. Am I right in saying when he was the villain in the Batman? Yes, he isn't necessarily playing him in this. Oh, unless they're still linked, which we just yeah. have no idea about because the DCU is not entirely Coherent? consistent. I was going to say <laughs> with those kind of decisions. Okay, good. They're making it up as it goes. It's like one giant super improv class. It is. It's- it's pretty cool. With capes. Um, this is interesting. Gareth Evans, of course, has said in the past that. You know, he wants to do his own thing, but mm. I guess at a certain point, maybe you want to strike out and play with the the, the big bucks. And uh, uh, he's in talks at the moment. Yeah, but he came in with an idea that apparently impressed them enough to make this thing mm. rather than something else. He, he was he was in he was brought in for a meeting about Justice League Dark apparently, Ooh. and came out with in talks for this. So something impressive happened. So he went in the to buy a there. cow and came out with some magic beans. Yeah, so we could be looking at a great beanstalk of comic book fun. That's exciting. It's good. Sam, are you into the DC stuff at all then? Um, well, I find, yeah, the films, I don't really read the comics apart from the obvious ones like The Dark Knight and Watchmen that everyone mm. read and Adam Moore stuff in the 80s. But um, the films I find a little bit hard to, to get enthusiastic about 
they seem a little bit all over the place tonally. Mm. Did Wonder Woman turn you around a little bit? I, enjoy, I tell you what, I really enjoyed Gal Gadot, who I've never seen before um, in Fast and Furious or anything. I thought she was genuinely impressive mm. in the star performance, but the film it turned into a bit of a CGI mush at the end. Yeah, there was some great stuff in it. It's funny <laughs> and different. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Oh, uh, yeah, CGI mush. Put that in the poster. I know you are, but what is it? <laughs> but Gareth Evans is fantastic. I think he's probably the best, uh, or one of the best action directors on the planet. And it's you know, I'm not surprised that people have been trying to snap him up for ages. So, yeah, yeah more power to his elbow. Um, and shall we class the joint up a little bit? Because it's all been spandex and superheroes and, well, Judy Garland. Um, the trailer hit this week, finally, for the long-awaited return of Paul Thomas Anderson and Daniel Day-Lewis. Yes. Phantom Thread, not a sequel to The Phantom Menace, Jimbo. I was as disappointed as you were. <laughs> this is about a fashion designer, Reynolds Woodcock, played by Daniel Day-Lewis in his last movie, going out with a real cracking name. Um, That's right, Cohen's. <laughs> yeah. Jefferson Mike Wank. No, it's <laughs> no? still not happening. Damn it. I'll make it happen by the end of the podcast. God help I'm us I'm editing all. this. I'm just going to loop Mike Wank for a... <laughs> for a good half hour solid um, so he's going to play Reynolds Woodcock and he gets involved in a torrid affair with a with a a, a, a waitress I think that he sees at a B&B or a hotel uh, and it all looks very mannered and precise as you might imagine Any, anything Paul Thomas Anderson does is worth watching anything mm. Daniel Day-Lewis does is worth watching Put multiply together. it together and you've got something that's probably okay mm. And Sam, we've got to let you go in a second because we've got to start talking about movie reviews and we don't think it's fair to have you comment on your films peers' I work. Seen yet. And films you haven't seen yet. I can make up opinions about films I haven't seen yet. All right, so we're going to very quickly talk about Thor Ragnarok. What's your opinion on that? I think it had far too much cooking in it. And I don't think there was enough of... The, the, the big dialogue scene when they are all sitting around the table talking for three hours was yeah. good, but yeah. it could have been a bit shorter. <laughs> Sounds like you have seen it. And, uh, let me have Andy Serkis's Breathe, uh, which could be a, an Oscar botherer. Uh, yeah, too much CGI mush in that one. Yeah, he, he, can't, he, can't help, he can't help himself. He was in a mocap suit the entire time, and he was a director. So weird. Note: I'm going to let you get back. Are you, so you're in rehearsal right now. You're tweaking the retreat. Tweaking. I'm you're tweaking. I'm tweaking. You're tweaking. I'm tweaking like a like a pill popping addict and twerking <laughs> like. Someone in a Beyonce video, <laughs> you know. It's um, yeah, it's 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 fun, but also nerve wracking. And Kathy Burke is directing this. The great Kathy. She's Burke. a ledge. What can I say? Yeah. How did that happen? Um. Well, Jonathan Harvey, who wrote "Gimme, Gimme, Gimme," mm-hmm. and is a good friend of Kathy's, um, suggested because he knows he's looking for a director. Suggested I sent to her, and lucky enough, she liked it and wanted to do it. What's she like as a director? She's fantastic. I can't couldn't praise her more highly. She is a national treasure, and she is exactly what you'd hope she she was. Very mm. outspoken, but very very good at what she does, and she, she she loves it. You know, directing's her passion, really. Does she approve of your twerking? Your constant twerking? You've barely stopped. She's the one here. who suggested it. She said, "I want you, <laughs> want you constantly twerking." And I'm, I'm, you know, if she says I have to do it. Then that's fine by me. You got to go for it. You got to go for it. Um, oh, I was going to let you go, and then I just saw one last bit of news. Can we just throw one last bit of news in? Mm. Sure. Yeah, screw it. Why not? Doctor Who's new companions. Yeah. Doctor Who's new companions uh, were announced this week. So we have, um, uh, and and one of them was a big shock. I think has has caused a lot of uh, 
contention and nervousness amongst the Doctor This Who is fans. the one who it's the guy I'd not heard of who's from the show I've never heard of, That's right? correct, James. Okay, yes, good. well done. Yeah, well, your finger on the pop culture yeah. pulse as ever. Uh, so we have uh, Tosin Cole, who's going to play Ryan. We have Mandip Gill, who's going to play Yasmin. Bradley Walsh. Bradley Walsh, who's going to star as Graham. Uh, Bradley Walsh, for those who don't know, and I'm speaking specifically to James here, <laughs> is a stand-up comedian turned actor, uh, turned quiz show host, turned light entertainer. Is he as good as the legend of light entertainment it is, Des O'Connor, my latest follower on Twitter? I don't know, but he's up there. Uh, he is a platinum-selling music artist. His album, Chasing Dreams... <laughs> was number one last year um, and he's the star I'm his of, agent <laughs> I don't know so much about Bradley Walsh and he's the star of the modern update of The Running Man that you were telling me about. no he is the host of The Chase which said. is a quiz show uh, on ITV in which um, a bunch of brain boxes take on members of the public and he's the host and he brings it all down with his you know to the, the ground with his his laddie earthy humour wow uh-huh. by brain boxes do you mean boffins boffins yeah <laughs> Mike Wanks, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he's going to be in Doctor Who. And wow. people are up in arms about this. Well, this he, he was the one who was announced, or at least rumoured, months ago. Was he? Yes. Just after Jodie Whittaker was announced as the new Doctor. Hang on, there's a woman as a new Doctor? What the hell? It's PC gone mad all over the place. Spoiler it's alert. outrageous. Come on, guys. Yeah. Um, but uh, my, my problem with him is one of the dancers on Strictly this year looks almost identical to him, and I can't. <laughs> I can't tell which is which. That's a legitimate objection. Just get, uh, yeah. get, get him to sing, and you'd soon know who's who. Of course. The one with the voice of an angel, of course. Being the dancer the from that you think That's correct. Okay. There we go. There we go. All right, on that note, Sam, it's been a pleasure. It Thanks has been a me. pleasure having you. Good luck going back to Finsbury Park. Do pop into my old haunts. Have you been to Season? The restaurant? No, I'll check it out. It's really, really great. It's Drag Green Road. Say hello to the owner. And um, Max's Sandwich Shop, which is <laughs> up by Crouch Hill. Why are they laughing? That sounds like a great shop. Because it suddenly sounds like I've suddenly started promoting all these businesses <laughs> I have no financial the investment in. Empire I should Podcast point out. brought to you by Max's Sandwich Shop. <laughs> Max's Sandwich Shop is fantastic. It's up by Crouch Hill. So it's a little bit of a walk up from the park. Uh, a little bit of a walk. But, and they're big sandwiches. Oh, worth the Eight pounds fifty. It really does sound like fifty for a sandwich. Wait, I know you're sounding like this is insane, right? Eight pounds fifty for a sandwich, but these things are mothers. They're huge. They're right. amazing. He only does four kinds. He's four kinds. revolutionized what are the four kinds. The four kinds. There's oh, ham. Oh my god. There's a ham, egg, and chips one, which is amazing. Chips. Yeah. There's a chicken one, which has got stuff in it. Like a whole uh, chicken. There's a, there's a beef one. There's a vegetarian one. But uh, and uh, it's really, really great. And he's a, a top, top man. So. Pop in, say hello to Neil from Season <laughs> and Max from Max's, Max's Sandwich Shop. There you go. With the ham, egg and chips. Tell sandwich. them I sent you. It gets you no discount. <laughs> it gets you nothing of any kind. Now I, no, I look forward to the blank look. <laughs> Chris, Chris Hewitt from the em, Empire uh, Pot. Do you want to, which, which, you, which sandwich do you want? I'm busy. <laughs> it's lunchtime. Do you want the ham, egg and chips one? Honestly, yeah. that's, that's £25, please. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's been a blast having you, and uh, good luck with the play. Thank you very uh, much. And uh, yeah, come in and bother us again one of these days. Love to. Thank you. Fantastic, Sam Bain. Thank you so much. Okay, now Sam's gone. I've raced back up the stairs, which is why I'm out of breath. Oh, oh my god! Too many sandwiches from Max's sandwich shop. <laughs> with the egg and the chips. With the egg and the chips. Although he um, he lets me take out the pickle lily. That sounds wrong. 
but li- bear with me here. <laughs> Never do that. Um, so the sandwich comes with uh, it's ham, egg, chips, and piccadilly smooshed together with some focaccia. It's absolutely amazing. It's amazing. It's the best sandwich I've ever had. And I initially tried it with, with piccadilly. I'm not a great piccadilly guy, and he doesn't let any other customer take out the piccadilly because he's very precious about his sandwiches. Is all Max. He lets me take out the piccadilly. I feel like you're maybe overestimating how interested we are in your sandwich habits. But what? Oh, you need, you should be listening to my other podcast. <laughs> That's right. That's the one. Okay, sorry, I completely forgot which podcast I'm on. Sandwiches with Chris. <laughs> I thought I was on the sandwich podcast. Or is it called No Piccadilly Please these days? It's a working title at this mm. at this point in time. Okay. Okay. Right. So let's have time. Let's have time for a second guest. Uh, she is Claire Foy. She is one of our finest actresses. She can be seen, of course, in season one of The Crown as Queen Elizabeth II and will soon be seen, of course, in season two of The Crown as Queen Elizabeth II. And she will soon be seen, of course... I'm saying of course a lot. She will soon be seen in The Girl in the Spider's Web as Lisbeth Salander. The girl who did an inadvisable thing, generally yes. speaking. Okay, yeah. the girl who did something. She's going to be playing the new Lisbeth Salander. And she will now be seen, of course, in Andy Serkis' directorial debut, Breathe, which is, which is out this week, uh, starring alongside Andrew Garfield. And we sent along, I want to say Helen. I'm looking at Helen. I think it was me. Was it you? It was me. It was Helen. Helen, what did you talk about? Just give us a quick... We talked about Breathe, uh, the directorial debut of Andy Serkis, in which uh-huh. she stars opposite Andrew Garfield. Did you talk about Max's sandwich shop? <laughs> we did not. Okay, well then you've failed. I'm so you sorry. you failed as an interviewer. All right, so here we go. Here's Helen O'Hara talking to Claire Foy about stuff that's not anything to do with sandwiches. What the hell's that about? Enjoy. Uh, well, we did actually talk about uh, Breathe, the directorial debut of Andy Serkis, but we also talked about the fact that, and you'll hear her discuss this in the interview, um, she had a very sore neck. She woke up with a trapped nerve or something and is holding a sort of an, a, an ice pack on her neck. So if you hear a strange rustling sounds during the interview, it'll be the ice. So, wow. we hope she's gotten better since. And it's not her rustling some paper that's housing a sandwich. It is not, no. It's not. Okay. No sandwiches were consumed during this interview. Oh, this is such a shame. Uh, so here it is, Claire Foy, Helen O'Hara, meeting of minds. Enjoy. Well, welcome to the Empire Podcast, and I'm joined today by Claire Foy. Hello. Hello. Um, so this evening, you opened the London Film Festival with Breathe. I do. Um, uh, you know, obviously, if it goes wrong tonight, then the whole festival, I believe, has to be cancelled. So, <laughs> No pressure. No oh pressure. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've never, I've never opened a film festival before. I mean, I'm not doing it on my own. There will be, you know, several other people. A couple there. of others, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's amazing. It's incredible. It's a very, you know, we shot it here. We shot three weeks in South Africa as well, but it feels like a very, very British um, film. Um and I'm really proud of it. So it's great. It's it's very exciting. And it sort of came together in a very serendipitous way, didn't it? That, mm-hmm. that yourself and Andrew and Andy Circus just had a break, like a very short break in all your very busy schedules. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I I knew that Andrew was doing it, right? And obviously, was like, oh my gosh, um, I want to do that. Um, but I I had decided that I was having I was having just a long old holiday, and that's what I was doing. And then this came along, and I was like, well, I can't really, I can't say no to it. I just can't say no to it because I'd read the script by that point. Uh, and that was the biggest mistake because I was like, oh my God, because it's such a beautiful, beautiful script. Um, and then they were like, okay, well, if you sign on, then we're going to start prep and we've got six weeks. And I don't think anyone has ever got filmed together as quickly as they have to f- get the finance as well. Everything. They did yeah. everything in six weeks. Um, 
which is pretty incredible. And they made it work. I think there was a point where they were like, oh my God, this actually might not happen. Um, and Jonathan's been trying to make this film for 10 years. So as soon as he had the option that it was going to work, he was like, I'm going to make it work. Um, so yeah, and it, all, and it all somehow miraculously came together. Yeah, it does. It does seem that way. I mean, and, and it is—it's such a personal story because Jonathan is Jonathan Cavendish, who is, is your character's yeah. son. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is the most personal possible story. Yeah, it is, and I think uh, for that reason, you think it would probably be quite intense and really, really specific, and we were trying to get everything exactly right and blah blah blah. But he had very little um, ownership of it. He was so—it uh, was wasn't really like making a film. It was genuinely like telling a story and I really feel like part of the part of the family um they really you know I've met his kids and his mom and so it really felt like a different kind of thing to me I felt like an experience not a movie um and uh he was on set every single day and he was so helpful and he, he never said oh that would never happen and that would never happen but behind the scenes he was saying oh you know we had that sort of telephone not that sort of telephone and um, he was incredibly helpful to Andrew, I know, because obviously Robin's no longer around. And so he was, he's very much like his dad, Jonathan. So he was a real help. Um, but yeah, the only thing he really did not like was me and Andrew kissing. So whenever <laughs> there was like a kissing romance scene, not that there's that many, he was like, oh no, 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 no. Like facing in the opposite direction and stuff. Like, I was like, we're not actually your mum and dad. Like, grow up. I mean, I guess it's flattering that he, you know, reacted so viscerally. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think he thinks I am his mum. So he's got two mums, although one of them is, you know, um, it would be. I don't know how that would mathematically have worked out. Mm. Uh, It's like (laughs) time travel, Sarah Connor kind of thing, I guess. (laughs) And the real Diana is is still with us, isn't she? And so you met her. Very much is. Yeah. So Um, what was she like? She is, as you would imagine, she's no nonsense. incredibly uh humble and um strong and uh adventurous and um you know if you can spend half an hour talking to her it's half an hour well spent she's just an amazing woman and she doesn't view what she's done as amazing in any way she just thinks that it was completely the most natural and uh right thing to do for her she loved her husband so much um and so she doesn't see it. the last thing she would want to be is a saint or a martyr and and unfortunately she is a bit of a saint, um, but but a very human one. You know, yes. she that that's why the film's so true to them. They they approached everything with humour. Everything was through the, you know, the prism of thinking. Oh God, the worst has happened, but here we are. Oh, here we are. Uh, you know, it's not about kind of. Oh, this is terrible. Let's you know get down in the dumps mm. about it. They just made a joke and they cracked on. I th- I, th- I do think that's that's true to a lot of disabled people that I know mm. you know a, a family friend had MS and, and they mm. were always making jokes about it that, that we wouldn't have done mm. uh, from as outsiders to the family but mm. they were hilarious well, yeah, I think it's anyone who's suffering like, I think uh, you know in my experience anyone who's um, actually aff- afflicted with an illness or anything like that um, wants to make everyone else feel comfortable mm. first of all and I think very much with um, this specific um disability that uh robin had in the sense that he was a, he had a breathing apparatus he had a respirator that was breathing for him um he was very restricted in the way he could speak and how long he could speak for you know his thought process had to be until the end of the machine and then he had to break and then carry on he hated being interrupted and i think ultimately by doing that you want to make everyone else go don't treat me any differently i like mm. stop it like you know don't i don't need to be uh 
mollycoddled or, mm. or mothered or anything like that. And that's why Diana and Robin were incredible that um, it, it didn't... It, obviously they made life harder and more difficult um and they couldn't travel as far as they could wanted to travel and all those sorts of things and there were different elements to it that at times would be entirely overwhelming and um you'd think why me and the world is you know uh, wretched but actually they just went oh you know the worst has happened and we're still here and they they everyone who came into contact with them was just amazed and you know there's a scene in the film where robin is surrounded by women um and all of them are in love with him. And that is <laughs> what it was like in real life. He was constant. Everyone was in love with him. And I think that's why Diana was just, just felt so lucky to, to call him her husband. And she was so honoured to know him and be with him. And, um, and everyone was so honoured to know them. I just, mm. they're just an extraordinary pair. And how about Andy? Because he's a first time director, but he's got a little bit of experience yeah. in the film industry. So he's probably, he's not, you know... Complete neophyte, I guess. Oh my God, no. I mean, you would not. Uh, it, it seems ludicrous to me that this is. I mean, it's not his first one because he'd done Jungle Book before. Um, but I suppose it's his first release. Yeah. Um, uh, sorry, if you can hear loads of water sloshing around, it's because I've got a hot water bottle on my shoulder because I've woken up with a crick in my neck. So I apologise about that. Um, uh, but yeah, so it didn't feel like his first film at all. He's so assured. Um, and he has every right to be because I think he's directed so much before and. Um, um, and he just was a friend really he was a friend to have around and he supported us and encouraged us and encouraged everyone had boundless energy and vision and he really really wanted to make this film and this story yeah. um, not just for Jonathan but he just was like this is this is it this is life this is everything so um, I'm very very proud that he trusted me enough to do it really Did you get him to do the Gollum voice at any point? I, no I didn't <laughs> We did have one hilarious moment where I don't know whether Diana was. I think Diana was there. Oh my God, we were at Pinewood and uh, uh, Andy was shooting something very secret, and we weren't allowed to know what it was. Um, and uh, he was like, "He's going to pop in in a minute, just to the rehearsal, just to have a chat." And we were like, "Okay." And then the next thing we know, we get a knock on the door, and Andy walks in entirely in like a black leotard with spots <laughs> and dots all over his face, on his lips, on his teeth, on his nostrils, like. As if it was completely normal and everyone was just like, no, 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 no. You can't, we can't have a conversation with you looking like that. Like some talking about kind of a really honest, true love story. And he's there with all these kind of like CGI markings on his face. Um, yeah, mental, absolutely mental. Amazing. Um, so you've also got The Crown uh, season two mm-hmm. uh, coming up. Uh, this is your farewell yes. to the role. Um, you know, you, you seem to be okay with it from what I've read you seem to be philosophical yeah. and, and at peace with them. yeah I would it would have been weird if I'm not really because I've known about oh, yeah. it the entire time true I think if I'd if they'd have just done season two and they've gone actually you, you're out love I would have been you know aggrieved and um probably quite angry mm. um but instead I'm just like well no it's this is what it always was this is what we signed on to and so for me it's the natural life of it so yeah. it ending it, it makes sense and yeah. I'm like yeah it's supposed to um and it's supposed to reincarnate and it's supposed to become something else. And I can't wait to see what they do. Um, I can't wait to see what they do with it. I think when it comes on again, I'll probably be at home silently crying, going, what a wonderful thing to have been a part of. Because <laughs> then you know it's over. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not mine anymore. Um, but I, that, it, it will be that will be wistful, but it won't be sad. Yes. And you've got uh, some other exciting stuff coming up. So First Man mm-hmm. with Damien Chazelle. Yep. Um, I mean, I find astronauts endlessly fascinating. So that's a, that's a pretty... <gasps> 
exciting role again yeah. i'm not one unfortunately I mean, no. no sadly i mean that would be interesting though wouldn't it yeah um if they just decided to put a woman up there yeah um neil ella yeah <laughs> Nigella Armstrong. <laughs> um uh yeah so yeah, that's ridiculous ridiculous um situation that i'm in that film uh but i am apparently um uh yes yeah, so i go out to atlanta in a couple of weeks to do that which is amazing oh, fantastic so mm-hmm. is that you've You've also got the girl in the spider's web mm-hmm. coming up. So is that after? That's first after, yeah. Wow. So have you started thinking much about that yet? Or are you kind of just slow build? Uh, it's going to have to be slow build. Yeah. Um, uh, but I'm going to have to be very clever with my time. <laughs> and uh, I don't want to get confused and one day on set be finding myself doing a Swedish accent <laughs> uh, in a film about the moon landing. Um, so I'm just going to take it steady and, um, yeah, slowly slowly catchy monkey yeah and does that feel like a big sort of change for you because you've you know you've been in a a number now of mid-century kind of biopic related Mm. stuff Mm. does it feel like let's just go for something completely different um yeah I think I I, uh breathe was a really hard decision in a weird way because I felt like her and Elizabeth were really similar um in lots of ways and I was a bit like well and I was like oh god the option was well if I don't want I'm just not going to do it because that's a bit scary I was like shut up (laughs) um so I just had to just sort of say don't be ridiculous um and uh obviously um uh Janet Armstrong is a departure for me she's um from Chicago so um uh and that's a completely different setup and um everything like that but I you know I feel like actually weirdly Elizabeth Slander is more like a lot of characters that I've played before (laughs) so um I'm returning to the dark side I feel like ever so slightly (laughs) I feel like I've been in the the region of sort of good honest kind-hearted people for far too long (laughs) I need to go I need to go uh back to black I think Back to black. Yeah. What a good thought. Um, well, listen, I better wrap it up. Um, just before we go, mm-hmm. I believe you've been working with Steven Soderbergh as well. Has that been done already or is that coming up? That's been done. That's 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 long in the can. Yeah, we did that ages ago. Yeah. So uh, can you tell me anything? No. What's he like? Oh, amazing. <laughs> oh, God, I love him. Uh, he's an absolute one of a kind maverick genius film genius. Just is everything that you want, want a filmmaker to be. He just doesn't care about reputation or what's expected or what should be done or how it should be done. And that's why he's endlessly changing and constantly able to, you know, with the way that film and TV and everything like that um, has evolved, um, even since, he, you know, since I started, since he started, it's changed beyond recognition and he's not afraid of that. Um, and I think that's just, I just think he's marvellous. He is bad at retiring, though. He's great at retiring because he just goes, I'm retiring. No, I'm not. I'm retiring again. No, I'm not. <laughs> so whichever way you look at it, he's done pretty well at retiring and then just going, actually, I'm not done, guys. There's more I can do. And that's why I feel like there is more he can do. And that's why he's pulled back to it because he's like, I'm not, I'm not done. Mm. Um, yeah, I want to be Steven Soderbergh. <laughs> so any directing plans then? Dear God, no. <laughs> that would be a disaster. All right, well, Claire Foy, thank you very, very oh, much. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right, so that's Claire Foy. We'll be talking about Breathe in just a second, uh, but now it is time to breathe because we'll be talking about Thor Ragnarok, which has been out in this country since Tuesday, uh, October 24th. Uh, It's not out in the States yet until November 3rd, which is why our Thor Ragnarok spoiler special won't be hitting until November 6th. I sat down last week with the director, Taika Waititi, and we went through the film in a fair amount of detail. Some interesting answers. Uh, and we'll be getting to that next week. 
But we didn't discuss the film in last week's podcast. Um, so now it's time to get into it. Who wants to tackle it? Who wants to tackle this film? We've all seen this. We should all tackle it together. Yeah, James, you wrote the review. I'll, I'll be the Hulk. Helen can be Thor, and you can be Valkyrie. Seems reasonable. Yeah, I think yeah. that's good. Excellent. Let's continue. Can I? <laughs> Valkyrie's one of the best things in it. This is a compliment. She's very good, but can I not be like Loki? You're not a Loki. I am. <laughs> Sorry. I am a Relentlessly Loki. mocked in every scene. Yeah, that's okay. You can be Loki. Fair enough. Wait a minute. Okay, I've, 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 mis- I've misjudged. <laughs> so, Thor Ragnarok. Yes. Yes. Tell it's, us, James, about the story. The, the story to Thor Ragnarok. This is the third uh, of the Asgardian standalone adventures. Uh, and this sees Thor. I'm going to avoid spoilers in this because when I wrote the synopsis in the review, I dropped a massive spoiler in it, which I didn't think was a spoiler, but it turned out was a spoiler. What did you say? I can't say it because it's a spoiler. We'll discuss it on the spoiler special. We'll discuss it on the spoiler special. But I Has mentioned, it since been amended? Uh, yes, we changed it. Um, so, did, did this go out to the public? This spoiler. My spoiler. Yeah. My spoiler didn't. The other publications did. Because didn't you do a spoiler in another yes, the last review recently? <laughs> yes, that was War for the Planet of the Apes. I also spoiled that. Okay. I have a long-standing tradition of spoiling things in the plots of my reviews. And that's something that happened in the first ten minutes of War of the Planet of the Apes. Well, see, this is my thing. I think if it happens in the first ten minutes, it's not a spoiler because it's part of the prologue and you're going to see it in ten minutes. What difference does it make? It depends. I was specifically told that something that happens in the first five minutes of Stranger Things 2 is a spoiler. Really? In yeah. the first five minutes? Five minutes. That's not a spoiler. I wouldn't have said so either, but there okay. you go. Okay, well, people are sensitive about that, so let's just say that Thor returns to Asgard. Because as we, as, we as we last left <laughs> Thor in, in Thor The Dark World, Loki is on the throne. Maybe having... we shouldn't discuss this film. <laughs> no, we shouldn't discuss it. Loki is on the throne. He has currently replaced Odin, so Thor goes back to resolve that situation. Yes. And then... A thing happens, and after that thing happens, um, they encounter uh, Hela, who is the goddess of death, played by Kate Blanchett, uh, and she is very powerful, and for all intents and purposes, kicks them both off the Bifrost, and they end up on the junk planet of Sakaar, where Thor is condemned to the fighting pits, and reunited with an old friend. We won't say From who work. old friend From is. Work. Yes. Uh, in case you haven't seen any of the trailers or the posters or any of the publicity around this yeah. film, we won't say who it is because uh, it's, it's a Hulk. It's, Grace, it's a Hulk. Hulk. Yeah, it's, it's the Hulk. It's the yeah. yeah. It's a banner moment in the film. It, it uh, yeah. It's not really not for ages. No, this is true. But he does leave a nasty Bruce. 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 And hey. this film, yes. uh, and we've discussed this a bit, and we, we didn't entirely agree on this. I stand firm on my statement, which is this, that this, all of the Marvel films have comedy in them, and they are action films leavened with comedy. Sometimes, like Ant-Man, they have lots of comedy in them. To me, this is the first Marvel comedy. This is a comedy film which happens to have action in it, uh, and I think it's genuinely the funniest comedy of the year. I think it's brilliant. Loved it. Ooh, I think it's maybe the second funniest comedy of the year because I love Death of Stalin. You're not um, the first person to say that. But it is but it is phenomenally funny, this film. Um, mm. and, and I think that is going to trip some people up and I think there are going to be people who criticise it on yes. that basis because it kind of rushes through the action and it rushes through the emotional bits and it rushes through the plot to get... To more jokes and in really emotionally heavy bits they'll drop gag after gag which kind of diffuses some of the potency it does but there are such good gags they that are. it's really hard to care yeah it's very funny very very funny and it's just honestly it's genius I mean, it's vintage Taika Waititi isn't it it's very it's not just really funny it's quite quirky in that very sort of Kiwi sensibility he has and what surprised me most about this film was how much freedom Kevin Feige gave him to just do his thing 
You know, yeah. he wasn't reined in. And there is this thing, and Feige's talked about it, where, you know, they have a, a template for the first film, they understand what they're doing with the second film, and on the third film, they let the franchise breathe a little, take a few risks, go a bit nuts. But this is proper nuts it in is the best way. Yeah, because yeah. Iron Man 3 is my favourite of the Iron Man movies. And it is and the best. On, on a given day, it can be my favourite Marvel movie, full mm. stop. Civil War, yeah, that's interesting. Thor Ragnarok is my favourite of the Thor movies by a country mile. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is... Yeah, I think it's probably the funniest Marvel movie. In fact, I said it on Twitter, and I said it to Taika mm. Waititi in the in, in the interview that it's the funniest movie by by a mile. This really interesting year for comedy, for me, from mm. my from my point of view. I I liked the Death of Stalin. I didn't love it. I certainly wasn't uh, convulsed with laughter throughout. I found it far too dark and <laughs> destabilizing for that. Which again, <laughs> yes, I know, is the point. The movies that have made me laugh most this year are not quote unquote comedies, and they are weirdly enough. Guardians 2 and Spider-Man Homecoming has some amazing jokes yeah, in it. Yeah, that's true. And and these movies seem to be picking up the slack where big screen comedy in the States is failing. Mm. So this year we've had a number of big comedies fail at the box office and flail at the box office and some of them have been absolutely terrible. Baywatch is still one of the worst movies of the year by, any, by any measure. And along, along come these movies which, you know, aren't comedies but they have joke after joke after joke. And here's the interesting thing. I may have seen this movie four times. That's <laughs> not an indication of how cool. much I like it. I really do like it, but it's not top five Marvel for me. It's top ten Marvel for me. I, I really, really like it. But I saw it twice for the spoiler special, a third time because I was hosting a Q&A with Taika Waititi, and the fourth time I took my drinking game buddy, uh, my wife, uh, to see it last night with an, with an audience. And the jokes that made me laugh out loud first time still play in the same way the fourth time yeah and they are absolutely brilliant jokes and Chris Hemsworth is hilarious yes, in he this is. film yes he is hilarious and I think he's had moments in the first Thor and in the second Thor you know when he improvised hanging Mjolnir up on the coat hook there had been moments of comedy genius that was him. improv that was improv yeah <laughs> uh, and but here they really <laughs> tap into him, and you know he's done comedies. You know he did that god awful vacation film, and he did Ghostbusters. But yeah, I think he's but he's, learned, bo- he's he's brilliant in both. Yeah, of and those. he's learned a lot, and I think he's got real confidence mm. in his comedy, and that comes across in this film. Yeah. But to get to what you're saying about how uh, you know these films are kind of uh, you know laughing as it were actual mm. comedies off the screen, I absolutely agree with you, and this is something that I've often gone back to, which is that for me, like pure comedy in that very heightened surreal comedy world doesn't mm. amuse me in the same way as comedy juxtaposed with drama does which is why I find the West Wing so funny and why I love yeah. the sort of 80s you know Eddie Murphy stuff where they're action comedies that the, the action makes the comedy funnier but it's also it's comedy that comes from character yeah and it doesn't feel to me like there's a lot of improv in this movie and some of the funniest things in this movie that that that, that slay me four times fourth time round are, are derived from improv but they don't have that desperation feel that you get with a lot of American comedies, a lot of you know, a lot of the the, the worst excesses of the Judd Apatow stable, mm-hmm. for example, where you can just feel people just going, "All right, let's just throw out a few alts and we'll see what happens." Then we couldn't decide what to use in the edit, so let's just use them all and see what happens. But comedy in this movie, for the most part, comes from character, and there's a lot of great stuff that pays mm-hmm. off things that are set up five, six, ten movies ago in the MCU that just 
are brilliant punchlines now. I, I can't spoil it, but you know, <laughs> there's an amazing reaction shot when a certain character sees another certain character who yeah. may have slammed yeah. that character yeah. into the ground, and uh, <laughs> and it's just it's very very funny and pays off in unexpected ways. Also, massive props to Mark Ruffalo, who is not only hilarious as the Hulk, but incredibly funny as Banner as well. When mm. he sort of he transitions from Hulk character to straight man, and mm. funny in two different but equally hilarious ways. Yeah, I, I blooming great. And also, I mean, Tony Stark manages to get laughs without being in the film, which is which is impressive. But we we are going to end up recording a spoiler special now if we're not careful. So should we just yeah. say yeah. it's brilliant? We gave it four stars. It's fantastic uh, for me. Yeah. It is it is top five Marvel, and oh, I think really, it is by far and away the funniest Marvel movie. That's uh, interesting. I definitely recommend people go and see it. Ellen, where where's the sit for you? Um, probably just outside the top five. Okay. There's so little room. <laughs> so you're you're still Incredible Hulk, Doctor Strange, Ant Man, <laughs> Iron Man Two, Iron Man Two, and Guardians Two. That's I don't know, the you're one. A big fan oh, of. super okay. fan! Don't forget the yeah. first Avenger. Don't forget who could well, the genuinely... first Avenger is genuinely in my <laughs> in top five. five. Thank you very much. Kidding. I am not kidding. Ye gods. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to the Star Spangled Man, <laughs> do not knock it. And a bit where Hitler gets punched repeatedly, and who wouldn't want to watch who, that? Who doesn't love it? Four stars in for Thor Ragnarok. We will be getting into it in big, big time on the uh, spoiler special. Um, and a lot of people have written into me already and said that they love the humour, but conversely found it really off putting. Mm. I can understand that. Yeah. I can understand so if you, if we'll you get into that. take it all seriously, you, you might jar with you, but yeah. you're wrong. So, you know. <laughs> Next up is a real peach of a film. It is the second hammer based film of the week, actually. I've just. That just popped into my head. Bit of improv there. Very good. We'll keep it in. Yeah. Just Judd Apatow's editing this yeah. podcast, so we're going to keep it all in. Um, it's the latest from Italian director Luca Guadagnino, uh, and it is positioned as an early frontrunner. It is called Call Me By Your Name. It stars Army Hammer and Timothy Chalamet, and, uh, which I'm probably pronouncing really, really badly, uh, and Michael Stuhlbarg. Uh, Hell's Bells, tell us all about this. Yeah, so this is set in the kind of early 1980s um, and Elio, who's played by Timothée Chalamet, I think, um, is living in Italy with his parents uh, for the summer. He's got this sort of charmed life. He's confident, he's outgoing, he's smart. Everybody likes him. You know, he's he maybe overestimates his own maturity, but he's he's basically, he's kind of got life set, it seems. Um, and then Oliver, who's played by Army Hammer, uh, comes to spend six weeks working with his father, who's played by Michael Stuhlberg, and feelings kind of grow between them. Basically, it's a, it's a very slow burning, you know, gently building romance. Um, Elio's completely transfixed by this guy who, you know, let's face it, is basically the sort of Calvin Klein esque ideal of the American preppy man, um, and it, it's kind of a it's kind of a dizzying romance. You've got the two of them sort of falling for each other. They're kind of aware that their time together is limited. Mm. And so there's a sort of a, a pressure, but at the same time, this sort of scaredness to actually act on it and actually move forward. So it's 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 just an amazing kind of tightrope walk of emotion the whole way through. Um, and while it's rarely kind of vocally emotional, when it is, it's really, really impactful. This is a film where you, you know, you should be prepared for the sort of the traditional three hanky weepy for this one. It's, it's just got so much emotion going on. It's absolutely um, joyful at times and emotionally devastating at times, and mm-hmm. just, mm-hmm. just great performances from Chalamet and from Hammer in particular, but the the rest of the cast as well. So you think this one will be will be bothering Oscars? 
I think it certainly donations. deserves to be. It certainly deserves to be, yes. And and I think it'll be interesting to see whether it gets that kind of attention. It's, a, it's an interesting Oscar race this year, isn't it, really? Because mm. you've got a lot of films that have a lot going on, but very few of them feel like traditional Oscar contenders at this point. And, you know, something like Three Billboards mm. outside Ebbing, Missouri, great, great film. It doesn't feel to me like a traditional Best Picture winner. Yeah. And so I'm I'm a little bit intrigued to see what happens but um, but yeah this I mean certainly in terms of quality in terms of performances in terms of just a, a brilliantly put together script and, and gorgeously directed piece it absolutely deserves to be in that conversation and I hope it will get some of that attention Fascinating and uh, surprised to see of course that Suicide Squad's being re-released this year just so it can win Best Picture uh, and finally <sighs> get that, that other Oscar in the bag Good um, Lord uh, yeah, so five stars. We love this five film. Five stars, yeah, absolutely. Deserved. Love this film. Call Me By Your Name. Five stars for Call Me By Your Name. Another movie I think will be bothering Oscar in the not-too-distant future, certainly in the acting categories, is Andy Serkis' directorial debut, Breathe. And there's a fascinating story behind this film, Helen. You can fill us in on that one. Yes, there is. So the producer of this film is a guy called Jonathan Cavendish, and the story of the film is actually about his parents. Um, so his father, Robin Cavendish, who's played by Andrew Garfield, was uh, newly married to Diana, who's played by Claire Foy, and was working in Africa in the late 1950s uh, when he contracted polio. And it, it hit him in such a way that he was basically left paralysed by mm. it um, and dependent on, and this is the, the key point, he was dependent on uh, an artificial respirator to stay alive. Now, in those days, that meant you were confined to a hospital bed and you were given a lifespan of months. Uh, and that was kind of, that was it. Uh, and and what's interesting here is, I mean, he's initially suicidal. He's, he's he, you know, has huge problems uh, adjusting to this new life. You know, a guy who was incredibly outgoing and adventurous and active is suddenly confined to bed for the rest of his very short life. But Diana, who's just given birth to Jonathan um, at the time... Um, is determined not to let him go and is it keeps fighting to find ways to make his life better. So they gradually, they get him out of the hospital to their home, first of all, um, and sh- so she can take care of him there in the house. Then they find a way to, you know, get him more mobile. They find a way to build a respirator into a wheelchair so he can he can actually move around, he can travel again, he can he can get out of bed, um, mm. essentially. And it's just, it's a it's a really beautiful story about love and devotion to each other uh, in the couple and and in their sort of wider family and friends Um, and uh, a really you know again a good look at disability and humanity and you know how the two are very closely tied together so I mean there's echoes of the theory of everything just in terms of they, yeah. they they face some of the same challenges, uh, but once again, it's it's a story really about a relationship rather than about an illness. Um, and that story is just brilliantly told. It's it's great great performances from Garfield and from Foy, in particular, and um, really good work I think from Circus. I mean, it's a bit you know it's a bit cozy. It feels a little bit Sunday night TV. It's not going to break any new kind of barriers as cinema. Sure, but yeah, I don't yeah. think that's what anyone set out to do. I think they set out to tell a very warm-hearted, sincere story of of you know courage and compassion, and I think that's what they've done. So I I rather enjoyed it. And we gave it. We gave it three stars three just stars. because of that hint of sort of Sunday night TV. Yeah, um, you but, may have seen this film before, but just in slightly different guises. Exactly, but it is it 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 you know it'll stay with you. Yeah.
So uh, there you go, three stars. But hey, what do we say in the podcast? That is a recommendation. That's what we say? Yeah, pretty sure. You sure? We've done a few of these now. Oh, okay, okay. I should write this down somewhere. Uh, so we say, we, when we say three stars, what we're saying is, you're going to like it. Is that... That's what we're saying. That's what we're saying. Uh, three stars in for Breathe. Um, and also out this week, and also getting a three-star treatment, is the Grace Jones documentary, Bloodlight and Bami, uh, and the South Korean thriller, The Merciless. Uh, I haven't seen either of them, but three stars for both. So, you know, hey, what? Recommendations, and go and check them out if you can. Also, um, also Stranger Things. Oh, Stranger Things. And well, before Stranger Things, also Jigsaw. Which we now have a review for, which Do I haven't we? read, but Jigsaw, we gave three stars to. Three stars. Our own Kim Newman gave it three stars and said it's better than being sawn in half. Well, he there you go. He didn't say that at all. This is, uh, so this is Jigsaw. We'll be talking to Tobin Bell on next week's show. And um, so Jigsaw is the eighth Saw movie and it wasn't screened to press and it opened today when we recorded the podcast Thursday. And so Kim went to see it. His father's review double quick time because he's Kim Newman, he's a legend. Three stars, directed by the Spearig brothers who did Predestination and Day Daywalkers? Day Sleepers? That's an R.E.M. song. Um, <laughs> whatever it's called. The one with Sam Neill and Luca, Luca. Who's Luca Hawk? Ethan Hawk. Anyway, I'm a host of a movie show and I should know what I'm talking about. But I, anyway, Daybreakers? You know. Was it Daybreakers? Daybreakers? The fact, Is that I, it? I think, I, do you know what? I now don't remember. Daybreakers. I want to say Daywalkers, but now I'm thinking of uh, Wesley Snipes. Um, Wesley Snipes, yeah. Yeah. Some um, motherfuckers always trying to ice skate uphill. Yeah. Some motherfuckers are always trying to play a Dejan Lover in the center defense. That's a little bit obscure. It's a niche, niche one there. Yeah. Anyway, Stranger Things 2, that's on Netflix. Yes. Without yes. spoiling anything, Helen, because I'm going to watch it tomorrow. And have you seen all 145 episodes? I've seen all nine episodes nine. of Stranger Things 2. Surely yes. they missed a trip by not having 11. Uh, I mean, maybe, but let's not criticise a Netflix show for having too few episodes. That's a fair point. Since it is uh, much to be desired, because peak is, TV yeah. is hard, you guys. It's <laughs> it really, really hard. is. It's so, so stressful. This is so, one of the few Netflix shows to get a second season, because, as you know, <laughs> traditionally, <laughs> they don't hand those things out like confetti. But Stranger Things, <laughs> Stranger Things did pretty well. As Stranger I Things it. did pretty well last yeah. time. It's one of the biggest shows of last year, and yeah. uh, and I liked this season better than the first one I was a little Ooh. bit uninvolved somehow in the first one and I liked all the characters a bit more this time um, good news is Will has not been kidnapped and taken to the upside down again but he is still haunted by his experiences there uh, so that's a thread of the episode of the, the this season um, it's no spoiler because you've seen the trailer to say that Eleven comes back but I won't say in what way how, when, who, with or anything else about her but she is there in it again and I think what's great this time is they've kind of doubled down on the characters because it is kind of a show about nothing like it's it, it, it doesn't have a great thing to say to us as a society except oh my god the 80s were awesome mm. um, so I think it's a good thing to double down on the characters and actually make us care about them and so we get good stuff for Dustin and Lucas and Mike to do this time which is which is much to be desired um, and uh, you've got a couple of love triangles going on in there you've got some new characters most notably Sean Astin oh. as Bob who is dating Winona Ryder's character Joyce this no. time around um, so Mikey from the Goonies rides again all good stuff um, and also we should mention Max who's played by Sadie Sink who's the new girl in school and she's a sort of subject of fascination for the boys because she plays video games better than any of them wow yeah and is the music as fabulous this time around yeah there's there are big big 80s hits in here um, so yes. if you if you go into it looking for the, the music you will like it and of course they also dress up as Ghostbusters for Halloween which is fun what's not to love 
I think this is everyone's weekend taken care of, is it not? Pretty much. Yeah. Well, he's got to go see Thor again. That's I true. Guess. Yeah. <laughs> I'm off to I'm off to uh, Liverpool again to um, snore. To um, just depress myself. Excellent. Cool. Moving on. So um, yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Everyone watch Stranger Things. I know. I yeah, will. Yeah, we be. give it four um, stars. I'd have to, yeah. Four stars. Four stars, which we, is a okay. recommendation. It is a recommendation, and then some. Um, I haven't seen the first season. Should I watch the first have season? You haven't seen the first season? No. Ah, Empire Magazine gave it three stars. Three stars. Yes, Johnny Pyle gave it three stars, and then we argued about it for about a month in the office. You say that in a way that indicates that you're throwing Johnny under the bus now. <laughs> I am. I do it quite regularly. In fact, he apologised this morning by writing four stars on a Stranger Things napkin, which I tweeted. So I feel that deep down, <laughs> deep down, he is contrite. And he has wow. seen the error of his ways. I'd agree with him for season one. Helen, get out of the podcast. Anyway, on that note, that is it for this week's Empire Podcast. Uh, thank you so much to Sam Bain for joining us uh, earlier on. And do not forget to check out the retreat at the Park Theatre. And hey, say hello to Max of Max's Sandwich Shop. Mention the, <laughs> the discount code Hewitt to get no money off your sandwiches. Um, and do keep them peeled, of course. We have a couple of specials coming up over the next few weeks. We have a Red Dwarf special, which we really should record our half of. We really do need to do that. We will be doing that next week and getting it up while Series 12 is actually still on air. Uh, we're going to have a Thor Ragnarok special as well. Look out for that on November 6th. That's going to be us and also with director Taika Waititi. And you know what? I think we're going to have a Paddington 2 special as well. Hurrah! Yeah. No, it's not really a spoiler special type thing, but... Some films deserve to have the treatment. Dude, spoil it for me now. What does he have on his sandwiches? Marmalade. Wow. Marmalade. That's marmalade. The big plot point from the film. Marmalade. Yeah, ruined. Marmalade Paddington. Paddington marmalade. Um, so there we go. It's a fantastic film. So keep your ears peeled for that one. Hopefully. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. Uh, and join us next week for more film related fun when we will be calming down with the guest Jamboree. Uh, we've had a lot of guests recently, uh, but next week we're going to be joined by Tobin Bell, who is, of course, as we established, Jigsaw, John Kramer in the Jigsaw movies. Doesn't matter that he died in, in Saw 3, he's back for every single one. And we'll also be joined by someone else. Who's that? I don't know. Okay. But it's going to be fun finding out. Uh, until that auspicious occasion, it is goodbye from James Dyer. Goodbye. It's goodbye from Helen O'Hara. Toodaloo. And it's goodbye from me. I'm off to Max's Sandwich Shop in Finsbury Park to sit down and try my very best to make Mike Wank happen. It's never going to happen. It's going to happen. It's so unfetch. Thanks. Oh, that's a good catchphrase. Thanks for listening. See you later. See you later. Bye.